he's saying all the loudest things in the kitchen right now. And he has his fucking AirPods in. He's all, are you noise? Are you recording? With noise canceling. (laughs) So of course he doesn't hear what he's doing. Oh my God. Doesn't know how loud he is. That's like Mike with these headphones. He like, like he's all, I turned the noise canceling off. I'm like, now I can hear what you're listening to because you turn the noise canceling off, but your music is still so fucking loud. The next day he's like, are your ears ringing? Do you hear that? I'm like, no, it's because you listen to your headphones on full fucking blast. It's because he like, went to like a concert alone and you were next to the <laughs> fucking speaker. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> what? <laughs> You will get chlamydia and die. And die. (laughs) (laughs) Ridiculous. 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 These men. These men in our lives. Men and the audacity. Audacity. Anyways, do you want to start the show? Yeah, let's start the show. I got my full glass of wine. I'm ready to roll. I'm ready to rock. Ready to roll, honey. (laughs) I got my full glass of wine. Oh. Welcome back to No Thank You Next. I'm Megan. And I'm an alcoholic. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Welcome, Rachel. Hi, everybody. Hi, Rachel. Oh, my gosh. Have you seen that TikTok? It's like, what are you doing? And she's all, I'm, and she's like, are you drinking already? And she's all, yeah. And her friend's like, why? And she's all, because it's alcohol. And she's all really, and she's like, yeah, because I'm an alcoholic. And her friend's like, you shouldn't say that with a smile. And she's like, because I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> no, I haven't seen it. Oh my gosh, I'll That's find awesome. that for it. It's so funny. Oh my god, because it's alcohol. Oh my god, good stuff. It's just wine, guys. It's fine, it's fine. It's wine. <laughs> wine is fine. That's what they say in AA. <laughs> <laughs> So they say the day before they go to AA. <laughs> oh my gosh. Sippy sip. <laughs> Don't spit it. <laughs> Gotta keep that down. I know. I didn't have red wine for a while. I like, I don't know. I like changed my mind about it. I'm like, I don't want red wine. It didn't smell good. It didn't seem like it was what I wanted. I was just like on this, like, beer and white claw kick like that's all I wanted and if I had wine it was like white wine which was like weird and then now I don't drink white white wine she's already (laughs) this is the second episode (laughs) (laughs) this is only this is my second glass fine and it's full okay it's a Costco glass that fits 37 bottles (laughs) yeah it's as tall as Rachel that's it I gotta be real careful not to spill it on this carpet. Mike's gonna be mad. <laughs> I can get an area rug. Right? Yeah. <laughs> unfold this really shitty futon and just yeah, cover put it in stage. the middle of it. <laughs> just constantly put furniture over it. It's feng shui. <laughs> <laughs> no, the energy is good in here with this. Do you feel that? Do you feel the breeze? The the floor. Do you feel that? <laughs> nice in here. It's nice and bright. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Speaking of nice and bright, yeah, I've got some not so nice and bright topics to tell you about. I finally have topics, guys. Topics. Listen, she's bringing in the topics, and I'm ready to listen. I'm bringing them in. Okay, so my husband had emailed me this article about this particular doctor, and it turns out 
that um, HBO Max has a documentary about him and it's called Baby God and it came out recently. And it is about a doctor named Quincy Fortier. Fortier, Fortier, yeah. This man is a fucking monster. He is a pedophile doctor who secretly impregnated hundreds of women with his own sperm. He worked at, yeah, he worked at a women's clinic and he, uh, I don't, I don't even know like what goes through a person's mind thinking that they're going to get away. I mean, and he did get away with it for a while and he didn't even lose his medical license when people started to catch on to what he was doing, but he, this whole, um, documentary baby God, it's, it just talks about how, like oh, his work over decades impregnating an unknown number of female patients at this women's hospital. And it's stories of some of the children that he spawned because these children, they wanted to take, they wanted to trace their genealogy. Cause you know, that that's like super yeah. big nowadays. Mm-hmm. And so people are going through their ancestry.com DNA kits, sending them out and getting them back. And all of a sudden they have this weird unknown connection to oh this doctor God. and they can't figure it out. So they are just tracing their genealogy. They're finding that they have hundreds of siblings from this doctor. And not only that, but yes, he was a pedophile because he even preyed upon his own children and he even impregnated one of his stepdaughters. Like that's just awful. That's like scratching the surface. So I still have yet to watch this documentary. I'm probably going to watch it. I I haven't even heard anything about it till you just brought it up. Like it's so nuts. It's so nuts. But yeah, he was never arrested, never put behind bars and didn't lose his medical license. How? I apologize for the noise that's happening right now. Can you hear all of that? Mm -mm. Really? Well, now it's stopped. I have to go (laughs) have some words. Hold on. He's just eating bagels and cheese. <laughs> he dropped his fucking AirPod into the trash can. Oh my god! Oh no! He's very tipsy right now. Did he find it? Yeah, that's what I asked. He said, yeah. <laughs> "It reminds me of that TikTok that you sent me about that girl who like her AirPod fell out of her ear oh, and like oh she got into the it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she saw it, guys. I still can't find it." Oh my god, they almost slip out so much. Oh no, he has no, like thank you. ears, <laughs> tiny ears. <laughs> Push it out. I don't know. Tiny ear holes. <laughs> yeah, my tiny ear holes reject the airpod. Little baby ear holes. <laughs> oh my god. Anyways, oh, we're back. I don't know. We're back. I'm guys. back. I don't know how I'll edit that. <laughs> no clue. Anywho, I had never heard of that documentary that even that well, I have heard of a story similar to that because they made a show with Brittany Snow on Fox about oh, okay. her dad that like used his sperm to impregnate a bunch of women, which was very weird, but she had like all these sisters. That's so weird. It's yeah. so but I this sounds weird. far worse and much more sinister. So I'm very, very excited to dive into that docuseries. Yes. So yeah. So baby god and HBO Max. Go okay. watch it, guys. Another it. documentary 
This one is um, a mini series. I think it's only four episodes. This is super interesting because this is about the Heaven's Gate cult. So Heaven's Gate is, oh, it's so weird. And I was kind of talking to Megan before that it kind of reminds me of like Scientology with the way that it was um, perceived. Um, Heaven's Gate, the cult of cults is what it's called. And it is basically like, have you ever heard of like the mass suicide with like the people wearing the Nikes? Like this is them. So these people, they're, they're smart individuals who yeah. were just conned by mm-hmm. this leader, Marshall Applewhite. And he, what a name. <laughs> what a name. He was just, he just knew how to speak and he knew how to get to inside people's minds to brainwash them. And they all basically drank a Kool-Aid that ultimately- Not like Jonestown. (laughs) Not Jonestown Kool-Aid, but very similar. It was just very, very interesting. But these people- before or after Jonestown? I think it was after. Okay. So it could have been like, which by the way, I just listened to, or I watched- I can't remember which it was. I mistake them, but I watched something on Jonestown. Oh, it was a Dateline. And I had no idea. Like, I didn't know a lot about Jonestown. Oh, like the governor went and was killed, and like the representatives for NBC. Yeah. like, Like, it was crazy. So this, okay, so Heaven's Gate was founded in 1974, and Jonestown was founded in 1955. Okay, so they were first. Yes. Oh, Interesting. God. Jonestown is just fucking horrendous. Yeah, and there's so much audio. Yes, there's there's a lot of there. audio. Yeah. And yeah. like how they, and like, they like went there and it was just like decaying bodies. They thought it was like, they didn't know it was on the ground when they were flying in. And it was just bodies upon bodies. Yeah. Yeah. So, and like you hear like Jim Jones, like speaking to people and he's like trying to be like this, I mean, he was this like persuasive person and he had like, he had parents give their children the cyanide poisoning first I know, and they're crying and they're all in pain. And he's like, it'll pass. Mm -hmm. Drink your cup. It's like, fucking crazy. If they didn't, then they were injecting the people. Yes. Oh my God. And then I think Jim Jones like shot himself in the head. Yeah. Such a fucking dick. (sighs) Just makes me so mad. So heaven's gate. (laughs) These people were in a religious cult and they believed that when they drank their poison, that a UFO, a spacecraft was going to fly in and, and take their souls, their spirits, their essence and take them to heaven. And the only way that you could make sure that you were absolutely going to go to heaven was if you committed suicide within this cult. So, and this happened in in San Diego. My my God. So freaking nuts. Okay. So, so excited to watch that. So that's a four episode docu-series, which is crazy. And so also, and I thought this was kind of nuts because I remember I knew, knew about it, but I didn't know like the ins and outs of like the cult or what happened um, yeah. at the time that I went here. But I've been to the um, death museum here in Los Angeles. I went there, God, I went there ages ago. And yeah, when, oh God, when you walk in, like you're greeted by the two people who, who own and operate it. And they have a, they have a picture right in front of like where you would go to like pay for your ticket. And the picture is of a car accident where, um, someone's 
body is in one place and then their head is in another place. And they're like, if you cannot handle this picture or if you think that this is really, really disturbing, you got to go. Like you're not gonna be able to handle what else is in the museum of death. Like you just, you won't be able to handle it. Yeah. This, it's dark, it's crazy. It is fucking crazy. It's cool. It's it's like informative, but it's like kind of weird to be there. Cause like they write letters to convicts and people who have and like serial killers and they have artwork yeah. from serial killers in there. Um, they have uh, a, a video that plays like all day on a loop about how to perform um, like an autopsy. Mm. And when we went in there, they were removing the skull cap of somebody. And like, you see the video of them, like cutting open the, the skull, removing, removing uh. the skin flap, taking off the skull and like seeing the brain matter fall out. And I was like, oh okay, my God. welcome. And they have all the yeah. tools and everything that they would use. It's, it's like, it's informative, but it's also very weird. Like they have a shrunken head in there. They have like uh, baby caskets in there. Like they have, they have just a lot of crazy stuff. But they also have um, an actual bunk bed from the house, from Heaven's Gate. They have um, the authentic purple shroud and they have a pair of Nike tennis shoes that were from the people who committed suicide from Heaven's Gate. And their sign notes, because you can't actually go in and touch it, it's like behind glass, but there's notes saying that these priceless artifacts, they showed up and arrived with an unmistakable body decomposition smell. Like they, everything smelled really bad oh because God. these, yeah. Cause these people had like laid down and then they have like a dummy laying down in the bed, like wearing the, the clothes yeah. that the person like died in, like in their little setup for oh Heaven's Gate. Oh, it's just the weirdest thing. It's just so weird, but yeah, so. I've been there. I've seen it, but I didn't really know too much of the, the ins and outs of Heaven's Gate, but that, that is the thing guys. And now you can watch a docuseries with more information on it on HBO max. So go check that out. Adding that to my list. And then number three that we were talking about before is murder on middle beach. This is a, this is also on HBO max and it's a four part docuseries. Um, that is related to uh, was is it the like the murder of like his mother and like yeah like the family is like completely broken and the so community sketch. was just so yeah. freaking sketchy so it's just you know his discovery and his investigation on like what happened um it's an unsolved murder and they're trying to like figure out what the hell happened so yeah that is another amazing docuseries to watch so guys guys go, go watch check that, out. those and then the undoing just spend a day on hbo <laughs> do it and a week do on it. hbo go do mm-hmm. it i know right that's literally where all of these shows are on yeah you guys have some homework go yeah. get a subscription to hbo <laughs> we're not sponsored which is unfortunate we should be we really should be we promote them so much tv we talk about or (laughs) especially hbo we gotta get a sponsorship one day one day guys one day we'll work up to it our sponsorships will come (laughs) we do it for the fun guys we do it to keep ourselves sane and to hang out and we do it for you 
We do it do for it you for guys. You. The people so who you. continually come back every week. I know. Listen, we our thank bullshit. You. <laughs> Honestly. We're still, you know. We're good we're, storytellers. We are. We are. Yeah. Uh, and on that note, I have a... I have a gnarly story for you guys is this has so many twists and turns. It's nuts. So like, like you were saying last week, how you're just like, did I, did I do this story? Did I already research this? Like when I research for episodes, I come across cases that we've already talked about. Uh So I have to make sure that I like cross check and make sure that I'm not going to write like a duplicate essay of like a true crime story that we've already talked about. But we are going to jump right into this one. So buckle up and hold on to your butts while I introduce you to Tiffany Mead and Christopher Ertman. Tiffany and Chris, they were young when they first connected when they met online. She was a high school senior and he was in the United States Army who most likely enrolled straight out of high school because he was basically as young as Tiffany was. And they live in Davis County, Utah. Chris was super sweet and really loving on Tiffany and she was just the same with him. And she believed that she was in love with him and they were so in love with each other that within six weeks of starting their relationship, they eloped and got married. Whoa. That's kind of soon guys. Yeah. I don't know if we've, we've talked about this before, but we've uh... discussed it before, but uh, <laughs> you really don't know a person Mm-mm. for many, many years. No, six weeks? Come on. Well, I have dated many men for six weeks and all of them are psycho. <laughs> See, I've done point. the work. <laughs> I have the statistics. That's right. I have the facts. Well, they were happily in love and they soon welcomed their first son. And then a couple of years later, they welcomed another Chris was eventually deployed to Iraq, and when he came back home, the man's demeanor had done a complete 180. Ugh. We all know, <coughs> yeah. excuse me, <laughs> coronavirus, coronavirus. <laughs> we all know that war and being in a volatile kill or be killed situation does a number on a service person's mental state. And it changed Chris. He became emotionally abusive towards Tiffany and she walked on eggshells during their marriage in fear of him flying into a rage and taking it out on her. Tiffany with two young sons was in this perpetual state of wanting to go, but too scared to leave. They had been married for five years. Their sons were now four and two years of age. And Tiffany finally made the bold decision for herself and for her boys to leave Chris. She packed up her boys and her belongings and moved in with her parents to move on with her life. She blossomed. She began working full-time, attended college at night, and even began dating a new man. Chris wasn't happy. He could not accept her leaving him and he would call her and beg her time and time again to come back to him. And he challenged her motivation by telling her that she could never make it without him, Mm. you know, mind games and belittling her in attempts to make her soft. Yeah. Just like complete garbage. Tiffany stayed strong and their relationship became so ugly because she wasn't doing what he wanted Mm. that the two could only communicate via text messages. Like they could not talk to each other on the phone. What? They just 
he would either fly into a rage or she would get super upset. Like it was just mm. so volatile. Of course they were just like, I'm only going to text you. Like, that's it. That's all that I we're mean, doing Yeah. Here. Paper trail too. That's probably good. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So the two were texting about money for child support and the night of July 23rd of 2013, Chris told Tiffany to meet him at a secluded park at 1130 PM that night. He kept telling her, you need to come alone, come alone. Tiffany was able, right? Which is like creepy. Yeah. Tiffany was able to have someone watch her four-year-old. I assume that it was her parents because she was living at home. Mm. But last minute told him that she had to bring along their two-year-old. And Tiffany is obviously nervous to meet her estranged husband at a park near fucking midnight. And when she shows up, it all goes downhill from there. (gasps) 911 dispatch is called and it's Tiffany and she's saying my neck's bleeding. I need help quick. I tried to commit suicide. Please help me. Dispatch asks if there's anyone with her and she says, yes, my husband and my two-year-old son. So dispatch asks to speak with her husband. Dispatch asks Chris if there's anything that he can use to apply pressure to her neck, a rack, a shirt, her kid's shirt, his shirt, anything. And Chris is kind of nonchalantly like, he's like, well, I have my shirt. Like, it's like you can hear him shrug over the phone. The man has no urgency in his voice. And he seemed kind of bothered with dispatch, asking him to assist Tiffany by applying pressure over her wound so she wouldn't bleed out. Tiffany tells dispatch that she's in her car and she's parked in front of Davis High School. So that way they can send paramedics and police officers to her aid. And they find that she's sitting in her driver's seat. She's the one that drove. Her son is in his car seat in the back and Chris is pacing back and forth on the sidewalk next to the car. Like what the hell, right? He's supposed to be helping Tiffany, but he's just doing a little sidewalk dance while Tiffany is holding his shirt to her throat, trying not to die. (gasps) Police approach Chris and he immediately is like, Tiffany's crazy. She tried to kill herself. I tried to help her, but she tried to kill herself. But Here he is not helping her when they arrive. Tiffany is taken into an ambulance. Her throat is slit ear to ear, (gasps) yet somehow she's still able to speak because her trachea was still intact. There's blood everywhere. Paramedics, police, and hospital staff were so alarmed with the extent of her wound because her head was nearly cut off. (gasps) Authorities and hospital staff are like, okay, there's no way that she could have done this to herself like when people try to commit suicide like they don't they don't cut like that like they don't yeah yes like they wouldn't do that to themselves and Chris so finally like Tiffany is able when she's like alone with police she quietly tells them that she didn't attempt to kill herself that Chris is the one who did this to her and to please keep him away from her and please protect her son She was able to call her mom, let her mom know that Chris just tried to kill her. And she asked her mom to come pick up her two-year-old. And so knowing that her child was safe, Tiffany was prepared to die. Police detectives, so sad. Police detectives continue to investigate Tiffany's car. And they notice that there's a significant amount of blood on the outside door and the outside side view mirror. Tiffany's able to tell deputies that she and Chris met at a park about a mile away from where she called 911. 
And that is where they find a significant amount of blood in the parking lot. And it pieces together that Tiffany was attacked outside of her car. It didn't make sense anyway for her to attempt suicide in a parking lot and then drive away to call 911. Yeah. Chris was in police custody. His hands and his body were being photographed and he was being questioned. He technically wasn't under arrest because police were still trying to piece together what had happened, but he wasn't exactly free to leave either. His clothes were taken in as evidence and he was asked what happened out there. Chris's interview was odd to say the least. When he was asked by an officer, why are you here tonight? Chris responded with quote, well, she tried to commit suicide and I helped her out and basically helped her out. I tried to save her life. I assisted in saving her end quote. Like what? What? He explains that they're divorced, but he was giving her a child support check. They had exchanged a few words and he doesn't know how she did it, but she pulled out a knife and put it to her throat. And then she started blaming him for doing it. He said that she was on antidepressants because she has a history of being suicidal. The man is eerily calm being questioned by police and not once did he ever ask, is Tiffany okay? What's going on with Tiffany? Is she all right? Like a concerned person would. And he never asks where his two-year-old son went. Just doesn't ask anything. He just, oh my God, doesn't doesn't care. Deputies kept pressing Chris for details, but he claimed he didn't remember what happened. And he told them, quote, if you don't mind, I don't want to talk about it anymore. End quote. What? (laughs) Um, Sir, the- We're yeah, talk about it, it forever and ever for a while until now. You tell us the truth. Yeah, like the incident happened a couple hours ago. Yeah. It's still fresh oh, and sorry. traumatizing. Yeah. yeah, like if you've just watched someone slit their throat, you'd sure as shit remember a glimmer of detail of what just happened. Yeah. So Chris, due to Tiffany's tip and his callous nature and refusal to help in any way, he is arrested and charged with attempted murder it's attempted because tiffany survives oh thank god i hate that it's attempted just because the person fucking lives too it's just like right sorry you didn't weren't successful like i know i know i'm so glad i'm so glad you had the drive and exactly the initiative to do this she was fucking strong and survived Mm -hmm. Just oh my god though that's so that's amazing wow it's it's oh, this poor thing she was miracle. 20 yes exactly she was 22 when this happened oh to her my god and her wound and her scar is so shocking to see like every time she looks in the mirror like it's there like there there's there's no hiding it like Ugh. it is there yes she's gonna fucking she, talk about it the rest of her life like yes hello. exactly Well, Tiffany remembers what happened to her, even if Chris denies that he can. Yeah. So here is what happens from Tiffany's accounts. When she arrives at the park, you know, she's aware and weary of his like come alone texts. And she gets out of the car and parked one space away is Chris. He approaches her and he has this scary look in his eye and she's immediately terrified. Chris grabs her and hugs her in a bear hug hold. He puts one hand over her mouth and backs up into her car. And then he pulls out a knife and then he slices her throat all the while telling her, shh, don't scream, stay calm. (gasps) The fuck? 
Oh my God. He's that's so scary. He's so psycho. Yeah. So that's so evil. Exactly. So Tiffany, she's probably completely in shock, but she doesn't scream. And after a while, she tells Chris that she's starting to get dizzy. She's starting to lose a lot of blood. And he opens her car door and he lets her sit down, but he's like continuing to let her just like bleed out from her throat. And this is their conversation thereafter, according to Tiffany. He tells her, you know what I want, say it. So she replies, I love you and I'll get back with you. And he says, seal it with a kiss. And he leans in and he kisses her while she's sitting in the car with her two-year-old in the back seat. And she's just like sitting there bleeding from her neck. What the fuck? So he gets in the passenger side of her car and he tells her that they have to come up with a story to hide what just happened. Because if they're getting back together, they need to make sure that he doesn't get caught. Yeah. So he's trying to figure out what they're going to say and they have to leave the park so they can get self-service. So he let, so he can let her call 911. Like he doesn't call, he has her drive and she has to call 911 and she takes the blame by saying that she attempted suicide. But luckily she, as soon as she's able to, she tells police that Chris just tried to kill her to keep him away and save her son. So she honestly thought she was going to die. And then once she knew that her son was safe with her mom, she was like, okay, I can finally, like, I can let go. I can, I can die. Yeah. Insane. Beep. <laughs> Sorry. That's the parking lot. That's okay. One <laughs> obstacle out of the many that police encounter is where the hell is the knife used on Tiffany? Because it yeah. wasn't on Chris when they searched him and it wasn't in Tiffany's car. It was quite possibly thrown into a ravine they drove by on the way to find cell service to call 911. So police need that hard evidence. And they used metal detectors. They used cadaver dogs to like sniff out the blood. But they could not find that blade. They, it was just a lost Shit. cause. And that evidence was needed to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that Chris had attempted to kill his estranged wife. Like when this goes to trial, like they need to prove yeah, it. And yeah. that that's like their hardest evidence that yeah. they never, they never came up with anything. Oh, oh man. I know. One month after the incident, a judge receives an unsigned letter in scribbly chicken scratch handwriting stating that this letter is written by a good friend of Tiffany, but they can't see letting this happen to Chris for his kid's sake that Tiffany cut her own throat and she attempted to frame Chris. The return address, which was so like weird. The return address was from a woman named Mary Olson who lived in Ogden, Utah. But when police looked into this person and the address, they didn't exist. And Tiffany didn't even know a Mary. It sounded Uh like something that maybe Chris had schemed up to try to like save his own ass, but they couldn't prove that it was from him because he he's in jail. So they're like, where did this letter Uh, come from? With the lack of evidence, detectives were beginning to think that when this goes to trial, jurors would be persuaded to think that maybe Chris meant to scare Tiffany and not kill her. So his charge could get dropped to aggravated assault rather than attempted murder uh, because she survived again, another fucking horrible loophole in the system. Sorry, she's a hero. I know, right? And he had the potential of earning himself a year long sentence and then would be out on the streets again. And this angered Lieutenant Jen Daly, who was working on this case. And she was just so 
angered that this man who could harm a woman he quote unquote loved in front of their child and walk free sooner rather than later. Like it was just beyond infuriating. Yeah. So she made it her life's work to keep that from happening. So what she would do, like, you know, like an inmate makes a phone call, like they tell you that the phone call could be like monitored uh and recorded. Yeah. So, so he knows like, okay, like I got to watch my shit when I'm on the phone. Yeah. But Lieutenant Daly would listen in to all of Chris's jail's phone calls for months and months, hoping to find some shred of evidence that she could use to prove that this man had a motive that night to end Tiffany's life. She listened to his calls for five months. Like oh she, God. I, that's, that's a lot. That's determination yeah. to get a, to get, yes. Or a fucking, yeah. Attempted murderer. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Finally, in January of 2014, she caught a break. Chris is on a phone call with his dad and he tells him to look up a guy named Raymond. His last name is kept secret and to tell his friend Kenny to find him on Facebook and tell Raymond that he's in jail. Chris only mentions Raymond's name one time, but he repeatedly follows up with his parents in contacting this guy. So Daly went to her deputy Thompson and she was like, Hey, you need to find this guy, this, here's his name, find out why they know each other. And we, we need, I just, I have a gut feeling about this. Find this dude. Let's talk to him. They found him and they brought him in to ask him a few questions. So Raymond, no last name was a former inmate who was in for a meth possession charge. And he was currently out on probation and he met Chris while they were in jail and was completely unaware why he was brought in until they mentioned Chris's name to him. Raymond's demeanor completely changed once they mentioned Christopher Ertman. He says, hey, what happens in jail stays in jail. But Daly told him if there's ever a time to do the right thing, now is the time. So this one over Raymond and he's like, okay, what do you wanna know? I'll, I'll talk. He said that Chris admitted guilt that he was the one who had cut Tiffany's throat. And he even said that Chris wrote out this letter. And once Raymond was out to copy the letter in his own handwriting, word for word and mail it to the judge. Chris also asked if Raymond had any connections and if he did contact them so they could finish the job and kill Tiffany. <gasps> so basically soliciting a hitman while he's like in jail. Yeah. So no remorse, like none at all none. Oh my God. Raymond was able to find the letter that Chris wrote. And I didn't know this is what the person is called. It's a graphologist. It's a person. It's like a handwriting expert. They're called a graphologist. So if you're ever in trivia guys, that's what it is. Handwriting experts are called graphologists. (laughs) Yeah, you're welcome. And they they compared the, the letter that Raymond gave them to Chris's handwriting and boom, they had a match. Oh my God. So deputies went even further and they had Raymond, I mean, he said, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. They had Raymond go in and chat with Chris in jail. And like when they would go and like do the, like behind the glass, like phone call uh chit chats, um, it was all on recorded video. Okay. And so they sent him in, talked to Chris and asked him if he still wanted him to send the letter, even though Raymond had already sent the letter, he was like, Hey man, I got that. I got that thing. You still want me to send it? And Chris is all, yeah. And then when Raymond brought up the job, 
Chris said, no, man, just wait on it. So it, yes, it proves that Chris knew what Raymond was talking about with like the whole hitman mm-hmm. thing, but no, because he didn't words. Yeah. And because he didn't say yes to it, like they can't like charge him with anything Got else it. further. So that was that, but it doesn't stop there folks. No, it does not. Lieutenant Daly got some intel from a jailhouse informant, but like the dude is a career criminal and it's like, you can trust him, but like only as far as you can throw him kind of a situation. Mm. Like he can give you some like really good, like Intel, but he's also an asshole and like, will turn on you. And like, even though he just gave you all of this information, like he can immediately like shut it down. He was just got it. It's just that way guys. (laughs) It's just who he is. Yes, he was a bad guy, but he was willing to trade information for help on his own personal cases. But Daly mm. was like, dude, either cough up the information that you have or like quit wasting my time. And so the informant was like, fine. And he coughed up the information that Chris was trying to get him to contact someone on the outside and get a hitman involved with taking out Tiffany. So he's soliciting a second person. What the hell? Why did he put the other guy on hold? I think because he knew he was being recorded and knew that like they were talking to each other. I think he was just like, no, I'll probably have better luck with like another guy in here. Like who, cause you know what? There are some bad people that filter in and out of prisons. Mm, Well, yeah. I mean, (laughs) we're not there. No, but, uh, we just, we read about them. We talk about them. We just, yeah, exactly. we, we know that they're there. Yeah. Deputies bring in an undercover cop who's used to dealing with drug busts and jailhouse informants. And the cop comes in and he speaks to the informant in jail. And they talk about setting up a deal. And the cop tells him to have Chris come over and chat. Chris is like right there, like listening to what they're discussing. And Chris doesn't talk to the undercover cop, but he hands a piece of paper to the informant And then he unwraps the paper and then shows it to the cop and it's an address and it's Tiffany's parents' address where Tiffany is living. (gasps) So he's like, he's in the works of like setting up this hitman deal. Got it. In order to catch Chris in his murder for hire jailhouse plot, they need him to confirm that, yeah, it's Tiffany that he wants killed. So deputies stage surveillance photos of Tiffany getting out of her car and entering her home so they can be like, okay, we're so close to proving that Chris is this monster who is trying to like have her killed. The undercover cop goes back to the jailhouse to speak to the informant, but the informant has a change of heart and he refuses to cooperate unless he's released from jail. So it's like, that's not fucking happening. And it's like, shit, it's, it's it's all like unraveling like they were so close but they're like come on like we just come on yeah lieutenant daly is talking to the undercover cop and she's like look even though this like stupid informant isn't gonna give you the time of day because we're not gonna release him on whatever charges he's in for see if you can talk to chris and the undercover cop is like the informant most likely tipped off chris he's not coming out to talk to me and daly's like i don't care just try it like we've tried and worked so hard, just try, just, just give it a shot. Just, just do it. So guess what? Chris shows up to talk to the cop. The informant did not tip off Chris. So Chris still thinks that like, okay, now I'm going to talk to the guy who's like going to hire the hitman. Oh my God. The undercover cop shows the photos that were taken of Tiffany and was like, is this her? And Chris is all, yeah. And they're like speaking in code because mm-hmm. their calls recorded. Just very vague. 
Yeah. And the undercover cop is like, so you have a time frame on this job? Cause once I start, there's, there's no going back. Are you sure you want this to go all the way? And Chris tells him, yeah, have fun more than once. It's like, yeah, have fun, have fun, do it, have fun. Oh my God. It's just so unsettling. The undercover says that he can complete the job for 5k because the man Googled like how much does a hitman get paid for murder? Like you could Google shit like that and like actually get a number. So he did came up with 5,000 and Chris is all fine, fine with the price. And the cop again says, there's no way of coming back from it. Once I start, like once it's done, it's done. And Chris is all, yeah. And he's happy with the conversation. So he basically pulls the trigger on his murder for hire plot. And so like the police are like excited with this information because they're like imagined him getting arrested and being back where he is. (laughs) Like, like, (laughs) I don't know why, because, you know, so often you're like plotting for someone that's out like the story I told, but like, like, it's just like, we're gonna put you back where you are right now. Now you're already where we would put you, but like, I don't know. It's just like in my head, I was playing out what they would do next. Like, okay, you're under arrest. (laughs) (laughs) They like re-arrest him while he's under arrest. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. So stupid. Anyways. So Lieutenant Daly, she calls Tiffany and she lets her know that they can charge Chris with obstruction of justice and solicitation to commit attempted murder and Mm. make it so that this man will serve a very, very long prison sentence. So instead of the one year that they thought he was going to get out, they can now be like, yes, he it's, it's solicitation to, to commit murder. Oh my God. It took a year to obtain all of this evidence that they needed, but the case never went to trial prosecutors offered Chris a deal where instead of pleading like not guilty and going to trial and like Uh having to relive this whole thing Chris pled no contest and Tiffany didn't want the case to go to trial anyway she would have to go and have to relive all of that she just wanted Chris to pay for what he did and not have to face him in court so she was relieved Chris claims that he wasn't in his right mind and he was suffering from PTSD, but his PTSD was never professionally diagnosed. I know. And so with his multiple, not just one, but multiple murder for hire plots, it just seemed like a last ditch attempt to save any shred of dignity that he had. Yeah. So he earned a one to 15 year prison sentence for the charge of aggravated assault and up to life in prison for criminal solicitation. And in Utah, they do things a little differently and his sentence is up to the board of pardons and parole. So Mm -hmm. Lieutenant, now Captain Jen Daly, she goes to every single one of his parole hearings and efforts to keep him in jail as long as possible. And Tiffany also attends because she fears that if he ever gets out, he will attempt to finish what he started. He, he's dangerous. He's dangerous to her and he's a danger to society. So she does what she can so she can keep herself and her family safe. His parole was recently denied until 2029. So Mm -hmm. in like nine years from now, we'll see. But Tiffany Mead has remarried. She's raising her boys and she's working through her newfound fears and trauma with the help of her big, adorable, emotional support dog named Butters. And she is living life and she is thriving and we wish her nothing but the best. Yay, Tiffany. Seriously. 
seriously oh man I never have survival stories I'm so excited to tell I know that's so good (laughs) you're dead I know oh gosh and like her interviews she was like her fears are like she doesn't like driving at night anymore um she says that she doesn't like the sound of like dripping water because it reminds her of like her blood dripping and like the sound that it made oh my god I couldn't imagine and just like and then and then being in a situation where like police have to take fake photos of like what a hitman would take like all that stuff is just so traumatizing yeah so traumatizing I really don't think that this man's ever gonna get out of prison though like he's too dangerous he yeah had such a like callous like didn't give a shit attitude and like has no remorse no he no he's dangerous he needs to stay in prison he's he's a menace yeah so that's my true crime story guys I wow. hope you enjoyed it. Wow, Rachel, some more Owen Wilson wow is going on. Wow. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> Sound like a cat, Sam. <laughs> Anywho. <laughs> Good stuff. Good stuff. Rachel, yes. could you possibly see us out with your favorite holiday? Oh, by the way, it's like legit holiday week. So, oh, hey, holidays are beginning. So, to get us in that (laughs) holiday spirit, what is your favorite holiday movie? My favorite holiday movie. What is Hmm. one you watch every year? The Nightmare Before Christmas. (gasps) Yeah. That is a Christmas movie. It is not a Halloween movie. It's a Christmas movie. For sure. It's a Christmas movie. Yeah. Now that I have a three year old, I watch it all the time <laughs> it's an, an all-year movie but even before I had even before I had Samantha I would watch it every year I would watch it in October during Halloween time but it just it gives you the Christmas feels it's a Christmas movie. yeah so yeah. the nightmare before Christmas hands down like will forever be like my favorite holiday movie I I I've never I don't know. I don't usually watch like the rom-com ones. Like we watch Elf. Mm. Like Elf is hilarious. You're not a so hallmarker. Fun. Not a hallmarker. No. I was mm-hmm. for a little while, but I don't know. I just like haven't I, been in the hallmarking spirit. Like I don't think I've. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen all of Love Actually. I know that's a like amazing holiday. That one movie. I've seen like a couple times, and I always forget what it like. I like what it's year, about. Yeah. <laughs> You're like what? I forget. I will say my absolute favorite holiday movie ever is The Holiday. See, I've never seen it. It's so good. Okay, I I'll own watch it now. Multiple DVD copies. <laughs> I do not have why? a DVD player. <laughs> but I have them. If I choose Hey, Vince has the gaming system. You can watch it on yeah, the PlayStation. I could, but they're in storage. There you go. But, but you besides have them. The, I have them. I have them. And that's what counts. <laughs> yes, yes. My absolute favorite. Oh, it's so good. I'll watch it just for you. Just for you. Please watch I've never, it. I've never seen it. Oh, it's so good. And then Elf. I always watch yeah. it. Yeah, Elf is always funny. It's just but your, even, yeah, it's just like it's your just, cutesy. It's just goofy. Yeah, it's just and I, goofy, I, yeah. I love Will Ferrell. Like, Ugh. 
I genuinely like love that man. He's oh just God. so fucking funny to Truly. me. Anywho, rom coms are just good for the heart, people. Yeah. So for the heart. get out there, go watch the holiday, enjoy your time off. Next and go week. watch all these like really horrible shows that we talked about in the beginning yes. of the podcast. Oh my gosh. Okay, <laughs> HBO Max. And, and get uh, your murder on. I mean, like, don't like on. get your murder on, but like, yeah, don't get your get like, in the murder holiday. watching. Yeah. No, exactly, on. exactly. But stay inside. Don't see people. COVID is a thing during the holidays. I don't know if you wear guys a mask. Know. Wear, a mask. wear a mask. Don't see your grandparents. Uh, yeah, don't. Yeah, don't. Don't don't do that. You don't know them. if you're asymptomatic. Don't do that to people. Just don't because- do that to them. They're, they're foolish and they're doing things, but don't, you know better. <laughs> you know better. Don't travel because you will yeah. get chlamydia. And die. And, die. <laughs> and we will see you all next week for another horrible, hopefully chlamydia-free episode. <laughs> Happy holidays, everybody. <laughs> Happy holidays. Goodbye. Bye.